For so many modern driven women, life is about being more than one thing. We're multidimensional and so are our conversations. We carry multiple identities. We can be both mother and artist, both attorney and entrepreneur, both clinician and CEO, both humble and proud. Life for women like us is about both, about all of the above. It's about the and. Our stories are the stories of so many of you. We wanted the freedom and flexibility to live life on our own terms, and we felt the pull to be more present to our families. But we still felt drawn to contribute, to build, and to create. And we wanted to establish financial security for ourselves and our children. For us, that looked like founding software companies and then a successful coaching and online course business. But for you, that may look different. Our mission is to help other women build and grow businesses on the internet. Starting up online can be overwhelming and isolating, but it doesn't need to be. We're here to share an insider's peek into the strategies and mental resilience it takes to create and run six and seven figure online businesses. As women entrepreneurs, only 2% of us will ever earn a million dollars. We've done it ourselves and we're on a mission to help you reach financial independence by chronicling our journey and sharing our proven playbook. Join us for honest conversations about what it really means to grow a business and build a life that aligns with your values and adds something meaningful to the world. I'm Sandy Connery. And I'm Jenny Barcelos. And you're listening to the And She Spoke podcast. Make sure you hit subscribe so you don't miss any of the new podcasts that drop every single Tuesday. Welcome to the And She Spoke podcast. Today's episode is about rebranding the name of our software company, which we did a couple of years ago now. And it's all about rebranding in general and why that is amazing and problematic and complicated. Hey, Sandy. The word rebranding, I just listening to you, like to me, it's not about rebranding. It's like we had to change the name of our freaking company. It's not just a logo and some colors and let's update some images. We had to change the name of our company. Yes. Yeah. So, okay, let's just go back and tell the story. So in we officially announced in the spring of 2021 that we were changing the name and we changed our name from Namastream to Marvelous. And the process really started almost a year prior, really started in the summer of 2020. And we've never discussed exactly what went on in that decision. <laughs> and I think this this is going to be a very controversial episode. I think some people may get upset about what we're saying. I think other people, though, deserve to hear the story. And I think a lot of people have come to us and have asked us about the rebrand and our advice and what we would say to them, if what we would say to ourselves if we had to do it over. And I think it's hard because we've never fully answered the question, honestly. <laughs> And because we felt like we couldn't. And I think at this point, we're like, who cares? We're just going to be honest. But also like timeliness, Twitter just rebranded to X last week. And so I think that's why, Sandy, you you reached out and you're like, I think we should do the episode now. And I was like, oh my gosh, really? Because this is kind of a big one. This is probably the only episode that we have talked about doing, but have actually never recorded. For years. For years, since it happened, since that whole year. So yeah. And then when I saw that Elon just changed from... Twitter to X, just like in the middle of the night. It's like, okay, this is great. This is the time I'm going to bring this story out. Yeah, for probably very different reasons, but which we can talk about. Yes, very different reasons. But yeah, so, okay, so how should we start? Should we just kind of go back to the 2020 experience, the summer of 2020? Yeah. So that was a hard time for everyone on the planet, right? We were in the early stages of lockdown, everyone was processing 
the killing of George Floyd. And there was a lot of anger and frustration and fear brewing in our culture. And I think that's putting it mildly. Yeah, there was um, uncertainty about everything, about this virus, the world, the lockdown, kids going to school, businesses are you know going out. You couldn't fly anywhere. Like everywhere we looked, I mean, we don't have to explain this. Everybody experienced it, but that is when it all started, was in those dark, dark days. Yes. And I will just preface this by saying that the name Namastream, I came up with one night and I just checked to see if the domain was available, like in the early days of founding our company. And it was. And originally we were conceived of as an online teaching platform for yoga studios. And so it was like really exciting to me that that name was available. And all that we heard for the first few years that we founded our company was how much people loved the name, like for years. Yeah. How clever it was. Yeah. How clever it was, how amazing it is, how it's like, how it explains so quickly and easily what the platform was for. And a couple of things though, Sandy, right, started to happen. One of which is that like we wanted to and started to expand beyond that yoga studio market with our product and other people expressed to us that maybe like there was some trepidation about like, well, I do X or Y, can I still use Namastream? Even even like Pilates were like, oh, seems like a yoga platform. Yes. Yes. So that was like warning signal number one. That was like real. And it was a constant conversation. It was like one of those things. We have a couple of these things that I feel like we've been talking about for like eight years. And this, <laughs> this is not eight years long, but like five years we were talking about this. Okay. And then like maybe we should have, and we did, we actually created kind of like sub brands or like sister brands under our company that had for other audience, for other audiences of teachers that had other brand, entire brand identities that ended up getting too complicated for us to manage. So we reverted back to Namastream for everything eventually, but we knew that this was sort of going to be something we'd have to address eventually right? So maybe we were going to have like 10 different brands eventually for different segments of the market, like a fitness brand and a yoga brand and a coaching brand and a music brand. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So so that was one piece. But the other thing that started to happen years before the pandemic, a couple of years, we just started to get these like very random, like once or twice a year, these messages or DMs to us or emails to us saying like, have you thought about this name? Like, are any of your founders of South Asian descent, do you recognize that, you know, maybe this isn't fair to be basing the name of your company off of the word namaste because it is, people were not saying cultural appropriation back then, but they were saying like maybe it's, you know, that's a sacred word or a really important word to some people and it's kind of butchering the word or bastardizing the word. I don't know if I can say that. <laughs> like butchering the word. So like, huh, okay, that's interesting. And you and I would talk about it. I would get flustered and we just sort of like filed that away in the like folder of our minds that was like, one day we're going to have to deal with this. Like we're going to need to expand the brand or add in sub brands. And this is something to like kind of put a pin in and revisit, right? Like it was very infrequent. And then 2020 happened. Mm -hmm. And it just ramped up <laughs> and they just kept coming. Yeah. Do you want to talk about like sort of what our, what happened in our DMs? <laughs> Well, we would just, as you said, they weren't unfamiliar messages. We had got them over the years, but they just started to come in very, very quickly. Maybe 
couple of week kind of thing. It wasn't like we were getting hundreds a day or anything like that. But there was a different energy. There was a different tone to it that was much more threatening. Hostile. More hostile than anything before. Instead of, hey, just wanted to know, like, have you thought about this? It was more accusatory. You are doing this. You are culturally appropriating the word namastream. It is not right. What are you going to do about it? And it was that edge to it that was much more upsetting. Yes. And mind you, 2020 for us was a big year. We had exploded in March and April of that year. And we had gone from a couple, two and a half people, three people to 22 people kind of within 60 days on our team. We were really trying to keep the lights on and help a bunch of people pay their bills, their mortgages, pay their staff. So the idea that this was happening when our mental <laughs> and emotional energy was, you know, we were working, everyone was working like leadership was working seven days a week, kind of every waking minute for many months. Some of us were sick with COVID and it was like, we're trying to keep the lights on for everybody, right? Like it was not, <laughs> it was like not helpful to have this unfold at the time that it did, the way that it did. And so, I mean, we have always welcomed anyone to reach out and say, have you thought about this? Or would you guys consider this? Or what do you, th where did the name come from? Can I learn a little bit more? And, but they turned into, if you don't change your name within X days <laughs> or X weeks, something bad is going to happen. And they were always these sort of like thinly veiled threats and like vague threats. And we never really knew what quote unquote was going to happen to us. But it was also so interesting to us because we still largely served and continue to serve the yoga industry where many of our clients have names that are equally as appropriative as ours was. And not saying that that's a justification, but it's like, okay, this is, this is an issue that this entire industry needs to reconcile and come to terms with. Like certainly our little software company changing its name was not going to move the needle without a bigger conversation. And so we were getting all kinds of advice, like you guys should con convene a gathering or an online conference on this topic. You guys need to be thought leaders on in this space. If you don't act now, your company won't exist in two months. Like we just, I was like consulting with all kinds of friends and colleagues. It was a big industry in those after 2020, like a big, big industry that, yeah, we had forgot about all those consultants. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Right. So there was just constant. And it's not, I think that this is the other thing that you and I wanted to share on this podcast. It's not just like a woe is that situation. It's like, it is not an insignificant deal to change the name of your company. So we were the, the name of our brand was in the websites, <laughs> in the URL of thousands of other brands of their online teaching platform. So it became something that was not as simple as, as you said, Sandy, let's go change our logo and the colors on our website and magic. We were powering businesses all over the world. And across the world, people have very different <laughs> thinking and impressions on this topic, right? Like, so we were kind of floating this idea of changing our name out to some of our customers in other parts of the world. We got a lot of pushback against the idea of changing our name, which we've never really talked about publicly. And we still, we still have 
people very upset about that. We had a mass, we had a, a sort of a mass exodus away from the platform when we did end up changing our name because some people were so upset that we did that because they felt attached to the name and they felt like us changing the name was like, my impression is that they took that personally. Like we were judging them for the name of their brand because we changed our, like, it's just so freaking complicated. And the new name was Marvelous. And I remember a few people would associate that with Marvel Comics. And it was very unwellness-like. And they were like, I can't be part of that. And then they would leave. Yes. And you know, the most interesting feedback we got back in the spring of 2021 when we announced this change was like someone said, Marvelous is so Barbie to me. I can't be associated with this. I remember that now that Barbie is like taking off and is this like feminist film. It's so ironic. But someone like, why would you pick this name? It's horrible. It's so Barbie. And I was like, we can't win, right? We literally can't win. And for those of you that are listening that also have brands, like I think many of us experience this, right? Like whatever you do, you're going to have some people on both sides that are unhappy with you. And that's obviously what happened for us. But I also just want to say, you know, we had spent years building the brand publicly, like had the name trademarked, had invested a significant amount of time and money in establishing like brand credibility across the internet, investing in our time and our energy and some into some extent our money and getting press for this brand. And so when we decided to rebrand and come up with this new name that we came up with was Marvelous, it took nine months, 10 months to get that trademark. We were not going to announce a new name until we had a registered trademark for the brand. And then the technical back end of switching things over was also not insignificant for us. And so I just, there was like our company, our software company is like, I don't know, hundreds of thousands of links across the internet. It's everywhere. There's like events hosted and there's products and there's people's webs. The number of pages <laughs> that we occupy on the internet is not insignificant. And so I think obviously the people who are sending these messages either didn't care or just don't know or both. And I just want to say in retrospect, I wish we had not rushed this process and I'm happy with the brand Marvelous that we have now. I think it's beautiful. I love it. I feel like it aligns with who we are and what we've made and where we're going. But if I had to go back, and I'd like to hear what you have to say, Sandy, I think that doing rushing this in the summer of 2020 in what felt like we were up against the wall with a gun pointed at us was a terrible situation and something that I would never wish on anyone. And I think it was really unjust and unfair to put our brand in that situation and then to let bigger brands that occupy this industry, like the Prana company, get away with it, right? Because it's, of course, it's going to be the smaller sort of like company that has more liberal values that's going to acquiesce. And I just think like for those people who are pushing for this, this lens or this like sort of activist ideal, like you really have to question, why are you putting the pressure on companies like us and not putting it on bigger companies? Because they can reach the CEO and the COO DMs and Instagram. They'll get a response. That's why. The other part of this that we haven't mentioned is there was a particular course going on at the time. A paid course. A paid online course who was teaching about the roots of yoga and so on and sending out the students to look for and talk to companies like ours who were quote unquote cultural appropriating. And so they would come back with that to us. They'd like check in. And they, I remember one person saying, it's been two weeks. I don't see any change on your website. And I just remind, wanted to say, 
F off. You have no clue what you just explained about the links and how many people have their sites and their products and on their Instagram bios and their webpage. You can't just go change it with a snap of the fingers. Like you can't. And the irritation from that, they have no clue. They're super demanding, they're threatening, and they have no understanding of what our business actually does, who we're supporting. And what's at stake. And what's at stake. So to answer your question, I regret, I think we knew, like we were always headed to changing the name. That was always in the cards, right? Because we didn't want to be in yoga forever. We wanted, we had a lot of a bigger vision of what it could, what this platform could help or who it could help, what it could do. But to be rushed into it, to do make the decisions. I remember with our C-suite, talking to our CTO and talking him into it. And it was a hundred percent based on fear. What could they do to us? You don't understand. We could lose the entire company. I remember, I couldn't have explained how to him in specifics, but it was just based on fear. And I regret that we made such a difficult decision, a big decision out of anger and out of fear. I regret that so much because that's Never how any of your big decisions in in your business should happen. I mean, even the process, Jenny, remember when we were trying to like, okay, we need to come up with a new name. And I think we landed on a fantastic one, but we were so creatively stifled because we were like, what are your origins? What's your family tree look like? What country did you, does your ancestors come from? Because we never wanted anyone to say ever again you have Southeast Asian origins or whatever it may be, right? Yeah. Or anything that was ambiguous in any way. You're all fired up about your business until you have to go and market it, talk about it, promote it. All of that feels so heavy, hard, and overwhelming. We know that your business will flourish when you become comfortable promoting your work. And for that reason, we created Visible, a program that helps women amplify their voice in a world that tries to keep them quiet. Build an audience around your body of work and not just your body. So forget everything you've been taught about marketing. Visible is your fastest route to building an audience of raving fans that can turn into paying clients. And side bonus, you can ignore trend alerts on Instagram. Join Visible today at joinvisible.co. So I have some French family of origin and so part of Marvelous. Marvelous has like a French entomology And so part of that decision to pick the name that we picked is because we had talking points ready to say, well, Jenny's grandparent is from France. It's literally like we were, that's how we were living and making decisions. And it's not to say that this is not a conversation that in society we shouldn't be having, right? It's just, I think there's this idea And I think activism to me, I mean, I'm like an OG activist, okay, for some, like I just, the way that some people pursue their activism, I find incredibly problematic. And I welcome these kinds of conversations, right? Again, like welcome. I'm all about like calling in rather than calling out. I've done my fair share of protesting. I've done my fair share of direct action. I was like looking out at the world and looking at what's happening on the planet. And I just, I'm like, is this really where you're going to focus like your activist budget of time? I mean, part of me, and I'm, I'm sure we are going to get criticized for saying this in this episode. And I, and I think that that's okay. I'm open and ready to have the conversation, but the world is on fire. And at that moment in time, we were facing like 
a pandemic and of historical proportions that none of us living at this time had ever experienced anything like this. The blow to the economy, to our industry also was so significant. Like we were one of the companies that kept the freaking industry alive. The opportunity cost of having our team and our product and engineering team had a lot to do to make this happen too, to do this instead of making sure that payments were going through so that people could feed their kids. Because literally, we were also getting messages every day like, because of your platform, I can feed my family. Because of your platform, I can pay my mortgage. Because of your platform, I can pay my studio's rent so I can keep the business going another month. Even though we have no business, we're not allowed to be open. Like That was the other side. And so the lack of perspective to me and the fact that there was someone profiting, I don't know this person. We're not going to call them out here. They may be a, a wonderful person and I know they're popular in the industry. Because it wasn't a dialogue, it was a threat. To me, I find that incredibly problematic because like, what else What else is going on here? And I think all of us need to ask that question when we feel frustrated, angry, like something is unfair, at least try to understand the context of what's going on and how your direct action or threat may impact something else because it, <laughs> it's real. The other stuff is real too. And so what are where are your values really at? Have you thought through that holistically. And I think cancel culture, like to me, this was like my first real personal taste of anything related to cancel culture, which is now like a well-seasoned muscle. (laughs) Cancel culture is fucked up. And I mean, that's like, that could be the name of this episode too. Like it's fucked up. To me, this is not the way we go about change. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So fucked up, Sandy. I agree. I agree with you. And I think that's the frustration that when it was happening, we couldn't say all that. And we knew we had the inbox of all the thank yous. And oh my God, what would I do without you guys? But I'm not going to say that in a DM and an Instagram. Oh no, because it would have been screenshot and then like taken out of context and blown up and we would have been doxxed. And- yeah, but I want. I just wanted to say like, look, there's a bigger picture here than, than just the name. There are some activities going on that are saving businesses and families that you are not considered. Like it's just so superficial, right? And you just can't, you can't, have that conversation in a DM. You can't negotiate with someone that's threatening you. You can't rationalize with someone that's threatening you. I guess like to me, that's not opening up. There's no space for dialogue when something comes in as a threat. And I do want to say that I I went back through and prepping for this episode and looked at some of the screenshots and the, the messages that we received. And it does appear to me that there was some kind of template that was being followed for many of these people. And I'm just like, Wow, people are paying money to be taught to do this. I also think we need to question who we're paying our money to, what what we're investing in. Like, is this really, is this like real? Is this something you really want to be investing your online course energy budget into? Maybe, maybe it is. I guess like maybe that's one day when I have time in my life and bandwidth, like I want to teach an activism course (laughs) because I have a totally different view of what it means to be an activist and how to effectively create change. And I just think threatening people, especially people running a small company, is just such a messed up way to achieve anything. I'm going to play the feminist card here too for a second. And I just want to say for a while when this happened, Sandy, I was convinced that this was coming from competitors of ours who jumped in these COVID pop-ups, which now thankfully mostly have gone under, that literally copied our business, our code, of course, our IP, and some of which were able to raise money in that part of 2020 because the world shut down, right? There was a huge market opportunity for a software 
platform like ours. And I was like, is this not like competitors coming out to get us in our weak spot? And I'm still not 100% sure that didn't happen at all. But I, I now I think we know it mostly wasn't that at least. And I just want to say, like, the fact that we are two women co-founders and that we got this far, I feel like really it's like other women that are going to take us down because that's who was messaging us. Just to be clear, I don't believe that there were any men or (laughs) it was very clear that it was women messaging us. And I'm like, really, that's so interesting. Like, are you guys trying to take down Meta? I guess it was Facebook then. (laughs) Are you trying to take down Meta because they host a whole bunch of yoga studio accounts like on their platform like they all have business pages like are you trying to take down google no you're trying to take down the women founded company that has eked out an existence in like against all odds what does that say about you i mean it's just honestly despicable behavior to come and threaten women yeah and then that was also happening i'm trying to get the timing right i think it was after George Floyd's murder. And we were all told, you know, on Instagram to stop paying ads and just to pause. And we did that. That summer. Yep. We sure did. We did that. And when we were on Instagram, we just saw all our competitors. All the ads were the dude bro competitors of ours running. Yeah. Paid ad, paid ad, paid ad. Nobody said a damn thing to them, right? Well, maybe they did. And those guys just didn't care. It's possible. Possibly. But I mean, on like on the comments and stuff, I remember looking what what we could see had access to. There was nobody saying anything to them. But imagine if we had chosen to do the opposite and continue with the ads, which messed us up, by the way, because we had to stop and start again. Well, yeah. And and how much revenue did we lose? Like that was for us. I mean, I don't know. Turning ads off for one month in the summer of 2020 I think we turned them off for longer than that, but that was probably, well, it was at least many tens of thousands of dollars in revenue lost because we stopped running ads, at least, at least. And so, yeah, again, this is to me what is so pervasively toxic about cancel culture. And I think that that's what that was. We were in like sort of an infancy really of it in 2020. It's now, I hope, on the way out. (laughs) Like I hope it's been taken to its logical extreme and is now dying a slow, painful death. But I mean, cancel culture, I mean, I will debate anyone on this. Like, to me, this is the most toxic, disgusting thing that we can engage in with each other on the internet because canceling someone as humans, we need to be able to work things out and communicate and talk through and share ideas and, you know, win by having the better argument over the other person versus shutting them down and having them removed. And so for me, Although we weren't removed from our social media accounts like some people were and have been in the last three years, someone was trying to like remove our company from existence without knowing really anything about us. Not to say that there wasn't an argument in there that was was valid, right? Like that's not what we're saying. It was just like the actual process of going about this was messed up and equally bad, <laughs> also bad. And so we've never called that out. Like we've never publicly, we've been too afraid up until now to even say this. And, you know, people ask us about this and we're just sort of like vague and unhelpful. And I think part of 2023 for me is like, especially in the last couple months, you know, you and I have made this decision to just be honest. (laughs) Like we're just going to be honest now. We're just going to tell the whole story. 
Yeah. And come what may, but I think it needs to be told. And I know that there's lots of people who may have experienced the same thing and are just too afraid to speak up. They felt like it's just happened. They were alone or whatever. Like I just, and yeah, we're open to criticism. Like, I think that's where I've landed. Like this was a terrible experience for everyone. We made some rush decisions based on threats from other women. <laughs> just so, it's just so wrong in so many ways. And I, I just, I'm okay to speak up and, and explain what, what our experience was and our thinking behind it. And if someone has a problem with it or a different view, then yeah, we will welcome, absolutely welcome it. But it doesn't change what we experienced. Yeah. And I sent you something the other day that was like, the only real freedom comes from being canceled. <laughs> And I sort of think that that's at this point kind of true. So I hope that that changes. But I do think that there's there's like a – we would do things differently now. I think we would have a very open conversation with our customer base and our audience about this threats because <laughs> they were real threats that were coming in. Some people were not issuing threats, to be clear, but other people were. I think we would say, look, this is happening we're going to send out, we would like to hear feedback. We're going to have a converse, convene a conversation or send out an inquiry, like a poll where you can give us your sense. Because it, it was also, our brand is so much bigger than us, like that brand. Like that's why we have this and she brand because we can just be us. But <laughs> the other brand is much bigger than us. It's like, it was at that point and still is a big team of people and then a huge base of customers and students on the platform. And that company is not just us and what you and I decide. And so I also feel like it's not, and we've always made decisions collectively with our customers and our, our clients on the platform. Like this was one of the only things that we were like, ah, no, we're doing this. Sorry. We can't really talk about it. This is happening. Yeah. Because of fear, because of anger, because of worry. That's why we did it that way, which is what I regret. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Okay. <sighs> all right. Well, <laughs> we'll see how, how people react to this. But thank you all for listening. And now you have a little bit of insight into that into that change. If you were around back in 2020, you saw it happen, 2021. All right. Well, I have the joy of the day. And it is a book called The Society of Shame by Jane Roper. It's a novel and it is a it's a satire on cancel culture. I happened to get it at the library. I mean, I read the book jacket and I read it like in a day. It's not like my favorite book. It kind of went on a little longer and, and kind of like, okay, I got the point early on in the book. But I also think it was really brave of this woman, this author, to write this book. It's about period shaming, which is a little different. So I think it doesn't have the same kind of politics and as some of the other issues she could have written about in the book. But it's basically a woman gets period shamed when she catches like her husband who's running for Senate, like cheating, and somebody takes a picture and like all anyone is talking about is the fact that there's like a blood stain on her pants. And I think that, and then like it starts a social movement called Yes, We Bleed. And then her feminism is like really called into question in the book. Like she goes from being a heroine to being sort of despised. I won't ruin it, but it's just the whole thing. It's like a constant stream of consciousness that's just like a constant critique of cancel culture. That's where we're at right now is we can start to talk about this as satire. And I don't know if it's safe to talk about it any other way, but yet here we have this podcast. So I guess we'll see. Yeah, that sounds good. Okay. And then The Hustle is an app called typeshare.co. As you all know, we have left Instagram for Twitter. We are playing around. We're figuring out how to 
speak and show up on on that platform. And this site, typeshare.co, is really a place to help you write in the Twitter way. So they have templates, they like a ton of templates, whether you want to boost engagement or write thread posts. You can also post to LinkedIn. You can also post to somewhere else that I can't, oh, Medium, Medium if you wanted to, but they have AI generated templates and ideas so you can put in topics and then they will help you write that. You also post directly from that platform and you can also schedule. So I'm kind of using it and you know how the threads kind of unroll, like it's a tweet and then a tweet and then like a tweet inside a tweet. It just does that for you and it gives you the thread count. <laughs> those are sheets. It gives you the word count <laughs> or the character count in each of those tweets. So you know if you're getting close and when to move to the next one. So that part is super fast to write. It's beautiful. It's clean. It is easy. I think it's $20 a month. I think we're just on the free trial right now, but I think it's if you are thinking about writing on Twitter and you see these super helpful threads that are just like books or courses almost, this is a great platform to help you create those in your own niche. I think that's so great. And I think it's important to learn the art of Twitter or X if you're going to go head over there. Cause like we are not, like we've said, we're both kind of at times heavy consumers over there, but not participants, like we weren't doing a lot of posting ourselves, it really is an art to write on that platform. So I think that the fact that there is a tool that kind of gives you formulas and templates to use, like at least until you get used to writing in that particular way, I think is really, really valuable. Yeah, no, it's great. And it's just been flawless. Like there's no bugs. It's just, I just didn't never open to help document. It's very, very intuitive. Yeah. Damn. Love some good software. We appreciate it so much. <laughs> yeah. All right, folks. Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you next time. Bye. This podcast is brought to you by Marvelous. Marvelous helps you build and grow your own courses, memberships, and live streamed programs. Go from idea to open for business in just minutes. If you're looking for a simple, beautiful, custom branded platform to build and grow your online business, you can learn more at heymarvelous.com.